are, what you like. If you don't like olives, don't eat olives. Just because they like olives doesn't mean you have to like olives. Just be smooth, you know, just act like you know what you're talking about, you know, you gotta walk with some swag, you know, just don't, don't be a punk. Always, I mean, show good manners. Be honest, always be honest, because if you're lying and constantly like having this trust relationship, it's never gonna last. Laugh every day. Let's see, I've been married for a couple of days now, and the most important word that I've learned is not I love you, it's that I'm sorry. <laughs> You've definitely got to be friends with your spouse. That's important. Definitely. Okay. definitely. You've got to have ideas on common goals. Talk everything out and never go to bed angry. To be a good example, anything you don't want them to do, don't do it yourself. I try to remember that they're not adults and that they're still learning. Lots of communication. Yeah. Knowing what you're doing, listening to them, and uh, understanding that they're going through struggles just like everybody else. You gotta be, uh, gotta be firm, yeah. and you gotta be uh, leaning at the same time. It's hard. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, welcome to Seacoast Church. We are glad that you are here. My name is Josh Surratt. If I haven't met you yet, uh, serve as the lead pastor here at the church and want to welcome all of you that are joining us at one of our campuses or maybe on the internet. We are so glad that you guys are with us as well. And you can probably tell already that it's going to be a little different today. Our format's going to look a little different than it normally does on a weekend. We're in the middle of a series right now that we're calling My Friend Wants to Know. And we ask you guys to send us questions that you would love to, to see us discuss here at the church. And you've done that. You've asked great questions. And we've had a good time so far in the series. The first week we talked about the end times. And then last week, Pastor Greg talked about basically some of those questions about why do bad things happen to good people? And what about evolution and dinosaurs and all that stuff. Great, great message on is there a God and, and is he good? And so I encourage you to watch that uh, if you haven't seen it yet. But today we're going to talk about relationships. How many of you agree that relationships can be a challenge at times? I mean, just it, life would be a lot easier if it weren't for all the people in it, right? <laughs> I love this, this question that came in. Uh, said, let's see, my friend wants to know, do I have to like everyone who is a Christian? I thought, you know, that's just a good, honest question right there. I, hope not. I, I don't know, Chip, do you? Do you have to like everybody? I, I, think, I think it says love everybody. I don't think it says you have okay. to like Okay, okay, yeah. so th there yeah. you go, there you go. But, but we're going to hit some of your questions about relationships today. And so I brought some friends with me to help. We're just going to have a little discussion around uh, this idea of relationships. And so I brought with me my wife, Lisa, who is, uh, has been married to me for 15 years almost. And so she's good for something. knows a thing about good for something. Uh, over here, I got Pastor Stephen Popovich, who leads the Well Ministry, which is our college and young adults ministry that happens downtown on Monday nights. And, um, and then we got Chip Judd on the far right. He's our staff therapist, basically. He tries wow. to keep us sane and healthy. And um, the only thing I ask is don't hold me accountable for the results I'm getting. <laughs> Please. Okay. Please. All right. Fair, don't judge fair me enough. By that. Fair enough. So let, let's jump in. Let's jump in. You ask questions. We're going to do our best to hit as many of these as we can. Uh, first one here, as a young Christian in their mid-20s, how should I navigate the dating scene? It's hard out there. Uh, Chip, it's been a long time since you've been in your mid-20s. So, Stephen, why don't you take... <laughs> Why don't you take this one? I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, it's just an honor to be up here with you guys. Obviously, there's no possible way we can uh, get through all of the things I'd love to say and that we'd love to say about these topics. One of the things I did about the dating thing, I, 
on the Instagram of The Wells, I've put um, an incredible series. I think is honestly one of the greatest series I've ever heard on dating or relationships. So if you're a parent or looking into that kind of stuff, go ahead and check out The Wells Instagram in the link. There's a link in the bio there. And it's an also an awesome opportunity for you to see what God's doing downtown uh, every single Monday night. So it's good to be with you guys for sure. Uh, there's basically two groups of questions that came in dealing with those who are pursuing dating and they're single currently and those who are currently dating. So if, uh, if, if you are dating, awesome. If you are scoping and hoping right now, uh, raise your hand. I want to help a brother out. Is there anyone that just needs a date? To, I saw you know, a couple of hands a, go up. There's a great cafe over here. You can get a latte and just talk about God stuff, you know, and build a relationship that way. Wow. Just trying to help somebody that was out. Smooth. That I was know. Smooth. <laughs> but there's basically those two two categories. I want to talk first to those who are single and you're you're trying to approach the scene. What do you do? And uh, if you looked in the Bible and tried to figure out, you know, about dating, there's not a great deal of verses that would obviously specifically talk about dating, considering it wouldn't even be in the Bible in general. And so what you do see is a lot of marriage. It talks a great deal about that, but it talks a great deal about singleness. Singleness. So that's what I would say. Number one, maximize your singleness. If you're single right now, uh, even if, if you're trying to, you're hoping and scoping, I would definitely say maximize your singleness. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I think this is an opportunity that you have right now that you are responsible for you and only you at this time. Uh, I, when I was uh, single, uh, I went skydiving. I don't think Nicole at all would allow me to go skydiving right now. That would be something only a single guy does or whatever. Go, go traveling, go adventuring, do all of those things. I mean, uh, many people uh, go study abroad, go do different things that you say, right now, this is, the, this is the time I can go do that kind of stuff. But I say that too. I say, as a caveat, I also say, this is the time you get to prepare to be married prepare to be married. And so inside of that, I think a great opportunity is to serve in your local church. I think to serve around the world, serve in local missions, get this moment to prepare what God is doing inside of you. Because this moment right now is your time to say, God, I trust you and I, I'm giving you all of myself. Uh, for my, my wife and I, we didn't even know we were doing this, but before we got married, or even before we met each other, I spent nine months not thinking about dating or relationships. Hmm. It, it, was, it was an amazing time, and she spent a whole year not thinking about dating uh, or relationships. So you let her outdo you, basically. Yeah. She's more spiritual than you are. That's not surprising. <laughs> way, more, way more spiritual than I. And, um, and at the end of it, we, we found each other at the end of it, which was remarkable, but that wasn't even the intent. But it was amazing time to spend with God. And honestly, that was the foundation of the now success of our marriage of now five years. And that time we look at often. So I would say maximize your singleness. The next group of individuals is uh, those who are currently dating right now, if you're dating right now. And, and there's gonna, I'm going to say a couple of really hard things, but please, I'm saying this out of absolute love for you, uh, uh, that I want, and I know you want the best for real, your relationships right now. And so the first thing I would say is to those who are dating, stop acting married. Stop acting married. Uh, you want all the, I get you want all the benefits of being married without the actual marriage ceremony and the covenant that you have in that moment. You want all the benefits, and I get that, but stop acting married. And, and often what people do to, to act married is individuals, um, of course, and we got a lot of questions about this, of premarital sex. 
um, you, you want that benefit of being married, and so uh, you sleeping together, uh, those kind of things. And so here's what I would say, just to, just to lay this out there very, very, very clearly. Uh, sex uh, outside the context of marriage is a sin, and sexual activity outside the context is also a sin. And I know you want the best. I, w- I know you want a great relationship. And I, I 100% believe, and, and Pastor Josh has spoken many times on saying, blessing follows obedience. Blessing fo- follows obedience. And so if, if that's you right now, hey, today is a brand new day. Today is a brand new day. I, I have that challenging conversation at lunch, you know, and talk about this and, and say, hey, is that something we desire for us to have a blessed relationship? And I would say this as well, um, practicing, or a lot of people say um, uh, trying to act married is they start living together before marriage. I'd say most of the couples that even come to us are actually living together before um, they get married. And this is what I would say about that. And I, I was researching it, and I saw, found this on the U.S. Attorney Legal Services, so not even a, a, a Christian website. And it says this, living together before getting married does not accomplish the goal that couples think that it will. A couple who does not live together prior to getting married has a 20% chance of divorce within the first five years. So those who are not living together have a 20% chance. Check this out. If the couple has lived together beforehand, that number jumps to 49%. 49%. And so I I don't know about you, but in all life, I want the odds in my favor. And so if if I would say if you're dating right now and you're living together, uh, have that tough conversation today and, and ask each other, do we want to get married and do we want the odds stacked in our favor? Mm. And I'd say, I'd say take the plunge, like John even said early on, dive in uh, for that as well. And so I would say, uh, you know, you want to do it right. You want to do dating right. You want to do singleness right. Uh, here's what I would say to you as, a, as the one nugget I could say is this, serve together. Serve together. If you're in a dating relationship, serve together. Serve at your, your Seacoast campus that you're at right now. Serve in your local church. Serve in local missions. Serve together. There is no better way that you're going to see what that guy or girl is about until you see them play with 12 or 15 five-year-olds in a classroom. You're, you're going to see incredible things when they're in that environment. That's better than watching a movie together. You're going to see a lot about that person. So, man, I challenge you to serve together. And I'll, I'll end with this. If they are not willing to serve beside you while dating, they will not be prepared to serve you in marriage. Hmm, that's good. That's good. A lot of good stuff. And um, I think yeah, the serving together just to kind of broaden that even more, do it in community. Uh, man, be, be in a small group, be, be around people, be involved in stuff like The Well or our Young Professionals Ministry, small groups at your campuses. And, uh, and when you hear like a tough truth, you know, the Bible says flee from sexual immorality, um, uh, fornication, the, the sex before marriage. A lot of times we kind of, uh, if you're like me, you have a kind of a reaction to that, especially if you're not living that way right now. And I would just wanna remind you as sort of a baseline understanding of who God is. He is for you. He has plans for you that are good, and he wants you to thrive in a marriage. So when he gives us those guidelines and, and he, he, he tells us to stay away from certain things, it's not because he's wanting to withhold from us, but it's because he wants us to, to experience all that he has for us. And so uh, make the hard choice of being willing to s- submit to that. Uh, but good, good stuff. Let's, let's move on to the next question. Uh, 
that's a scripture. Guard your heart. That's a good one. Do it. Um, for, for those going through, <laughs> for, for those, okay, we want to get as many of your questions as we can. For those going through or who have walked through this path before us, uh, please talk about divorce, adultery, sex addiction, verbal and emotional abuse, physical abuse, lying and deceit, and what the Bible says if you are or have been in relationships with these problems. Um, also, what does the Bible say in regards to protecting your children if you're faced with these challenging times and circumstances? That's a, a, a big question, a lot in there. Uh, Chip, you've been married for 40 years. Yes. Uh, you've been a professional counselor for 30 years. So, ta- you know, address that. What would you say to, to that question there? Um, obviously, that's a pretty broad question and a pretty serious question. I would say to you, first of all, if you're the person that fits in any of those categories, if you're in uh, an addiction or some kind of a life controlling issue, your first goal and maybe only goal is to deal with that issue. It's impossible to talk about health in the relationship if either person is dealing with some kind of a life controlling problem. So you gotta start there. Having said that, the person who asked the question, let's talk about that for a minute. If you're on the other end of it, you're not the person with the life controlling issue, but you're the person living with or dealing with the person with a life-controlling issue. Work on the person you can do the most about, and who would that be? That'd be yourself. Work on the person you can do the most about, and that's yourself. What do I mean? Take responsibility for your health. Take responsibility for your health. What does that mean? It's amazing to me how many Christian couples, uh, one of them will stop me out in the hallway, and they'll say, they'll start telling me their situation, And then they'll say, I'll say, well, you know, you probably really would benefit from some counseling. And they'll say this, well, my spouse won't go. And my deal is, well, go yourself. Well, it just, you know, they'll be mad or they'll be hurt or they'll be whatever. Well, here's the deal. Why would the most unhealthy person in the relationship be the one that gets to make the decision? If you want to... Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Usher's right over you're, here. You're striking a chord. You're striking a chord, Chip. <laughs> Listen, I've been at this a long time, and here's the deal. You make the decision to move toward health. That's good. Praying that everybody else will go with you. But it's not very smart to say, well, I'm going to wait till we go together. My deal is I hope you like where you're living and how you're living because it's probably not going to change. Move toward health yourself. Own the journey the best way you can. Here's the thing. Use the power that you have. If you believe you have no power, you're going to feel like a victim and you're going to feel helpless and hopeless. There's one power we always have. Choice equals power. If you ever believe you have no choices, you're going to believe you have no power. And you always have choices. Now, realistically, sometimes your choices are not good but you always have choices. Pick the best one you can and break the cycle you're in and move forward. And possibly, I might even say probably, everyone will benefit from your decision. That's good. That's good. And if just so we're clear, if there is abuse happening in your home, this last half about protecting your children, get get out. You know, get yourself in a place where you're not subject to that. Your kids aren't subject to that. But great, great stuff. Let's Let's move on. My friend is constantly asking me what she should do or who she should talk to regarding her husband making her split costs and responsibilities in half every day. Um, They have separate bank accounts as well. I mean, everything is split to the point that if he goes out one time, she can only go out one time. 
Um, so obviously a much more narrow, specific question. Chip, any, any advice on that one? Yeah, the biggest thing I'd say is obviously that's not as serious as the one before it. Um, don't do any of this alone. The first question, this question, any questions we're going to deal with. Uh, I believe this. If you make it a point to hang around people on a consistent basis that are a little bit healthier than you are, I guarantee you, you're going to get healthier. If you just hang around them, nothing else changes. You're going to get healthier because of this. You came into your marriage, you came into every relationship you have with, with re reference points that you got from your family of origin, the family you grew up in. And your spouse has reference points. And here's the deal. Neither one of them are perfect. So you need outside reference points to help you kind of work your way through. Let me, let me share one thought that maybe will help you think through a question like this. Um, almost every time in counseling with a couple, I'm going to sooner or later bring up what I call the million-dollar question. And the million-dollar question is a question you should ask one time and never ask it again. The million-dollar question is this. Did God bring you together? Did God bring you together? Now, here's what's amazing. Do you realize that probably, I would probably say 90% of the time when I ask that question, both hands go up no matter what situation they're dealing with. Both hands go up or heads start to nod. In other words, very quickly they say, yes, we believe God brought us together. Now, I believe that's a question you should ask once, never ask it again, mm. but then you should go beyond it a little bit. So, let's just say you, you're, you, you believe God brought you together. Let me ask you a question. Did he know what you were getting? Did he know the unique <laughs> set of challenges that you were going to live with? I know it's comical, but it isn't comical when they're sitting in my office. <laughs> How many of you know we get married carrying bags? We call it baggage, right? Did God know what was in your spouse's bag? <clears throat> All right, what's the next phase you go to? How many of you believe he did? I think he did. Well, then you got to deal with something. Either he's mean as a snake, <laughs> right? He's got a really twisted sense of humor, or there's a method to his madness. And I believe there is. See, here's the problem. Most people have the wrong idea of what a marriage's purpose is. Most people think the purpose of their marriage is to make them happy and all cuddly and warm for the rest of their life. I'm sorry, I just don't think that's its ultimate purpose. Its ultimate purpose is the same thing everything else serves, and that is to conform you and I to the image of his son. Now, here's what I believe. Marriage is a mirror. Ooh, dude, you look good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you see when you look in a mirror? Yourself. Guess what? When you look at the, the dynamics of your marriage, the most important thing you're going to see is what you are really like. Then you get a choice. What am I going to do with that information? Am I going to allow God to work on me? Listen, man, it's easy to notice what the other person needs to fix. If you really want to move your marriage forward, focus on, concentrate on, become self-aware about what you see when you look in the mirror of your marriage. I hope you notice in Chip answering that question, uh, it would be real easy with a question like that to go, well, 
here's all the things that's wrong with that husband, you need to have a, a joint bank account, unity, you gotta be one, all that stuff that's, that's true. But, but I, I wanna surround myself with people who when, when something comes up in my marriage and I bring it to a group of friends, they're gonna fight for the marriage, not just agree with my point of view. Right. And so I, I just love, again, about this whole idea of community and surrounding people, uh, surrounding yourself with people who are gonna go, fight for your, your, your marriage, fight for, for God's best in your life, that, that you would have people in your life that aren't just gonna tell you what you wanna hear, uh, aren't gonna husband bash or wife bash, but they're gonna go, man, let's, let's look at coming together and figuring out how can we find a win for the, the marriage, not just the individual. So great, great stuff. Uh, next question. Uh, why are husbands given passes when they aren't doing, hang on, did you, did you put that one? <laughs> Why are husbands given passes when they aren't doing what they're called to do, be a spiritual leader of the home, be provider, love their wife as Christ loves the church, etc. But everywhere you turn, women are constantly being reminded of what they are to do. Somebody come after the husbands for a minute. Wow. Speaking of bashing. No. <laughs> All right, the best way I know to roll up on this question is this, and it is going to sound like I'm bashing for just a split second. Imagine I'm in a counseling appointment, not a true story, but I pretend it is. Billy Bob and Mary Lou come to me for counseling. Billy Bob doesn't really want to be there, but somehow he, he is. So we're talking along. Mary Lou uh, feels comfortable. She feels safe, so she's really sharing what she thinks about the condition of the marriage. Um, Billy Bob starts to get uncomfortable he starts to feel like, you know, wow, this is not going the way I saw it. And uh, Billy Bob says, preacher, tell her what the Bible says. Now, what's one verse every man on the planet, Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, Hindu, you know, whatever, grow, grew up on an island alone. <laughs> what's one Bible verse every husband on the planet can quote? Submit. Wives, submit to your husbands. So I say, uh, Billy Bob, you know, I'm a little slow today. I'm not sure what you're talking about. And Billy Bob says, you know, preacher, wives, submit to your husbands. And I reach over and I slap Bubba upside the head. <laughs> and I say, Bubba, don't you ever mention that verse again in my presence until you're doing your job first. And I say, Bubba, what is your job? And gosh, guys, too many times Bubba says... I don't really know. His job is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Now, here's what I say to everybody in the room, man or woman. Here's the deal. If you want people to follow you because they want to, I don't know about you, but I don't want people to follow me because of a title I carry or some scripture that says they have to. I want people to follow me because they want to. And if you want people to follow you because they want to, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, the greatest of all is the servant of all. The best way to be a leader that others want to follow is to put their needs in front of your own, put their desires in front of your own, meet their needs. Now here, that sounds like this noble posture, and it really isn't. I'm really deeply selfish because here's the deal. You reap back what? what you sow. So if I put my wife's needs in front of my own and I expend my energy serving her, that's what I'm going to get back from her eventually, even if not immediately. So it's just a great way to live your life. M my challenge to you is this. When you get married, start a competition in your marriage. And here's the competition. Let's see who can outserve the other one.
give out prizes. It works well. Unfortunately, my wife's so good at it, I always lose. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> great challenge. Um, ne next question. Uh, how do I discipline my kids according to the Bible? Let's talk a little parenting here. Parenting. How many of you know parenting is not for the faint of heart? It is really challenging. We have three kids. They're eight, six, and two. And so um, just a disclaimer right off the bat, uh, we do not have it all figured out. We have not entered the teenage years. Um, we are constantly uh, going to our, our village, right? It takes a village to raise kids. And so we constantly are seeking wisdom from our village of um, help. We don't know what to do in this cir circumstance. And so um, I just encourage you, if you're a parent, to be sure that you surround yourself with a village who is after godly principles and godly parenting. And we definitely have an amazing um, village here at Seacoast. And so I just encourage you to check out some of the parenting resources that we have available um, to you. But, you know, how many of you know that if you are a parent, um, you start uh, using a certain method of discipline and only to find just a few minutes later it doesn't work anymore. You've got to adjust how you are disciplining. And, and not only that, but if you have more than one child, the same method of discipline will not work for all of your children, unfortunately. I wish that there was some sort of handbook um, that kind of gave us the guide to, if you have a boy, you should do it this way. If you have a girl, but that doesn't work. And so um, I just encourage you, um, remember that God called you to be the parent of your children. He gave those children to you. And so he is gonna equip you um, to, to know your child and to discern. And discernment involves just going to the Lord and, and praying, like truly praying for your children and asking, seeking wisdom um, from the Lord on how to discipline each one of your children. You know, I think um, that oftentimes we, we mistake the word discipline for punishment. We tend to get the two mixed up. And the truth is, is that Punishment is only part of discipline, right? Discipline is the practice of training. And so punishment is a consequence for a poor choice of the past, while discipline is just training ground for your children's future. That's good. That's good. And there, there's so much that the Bible talks about in terms of disciplining our kids. But I, I, would, I would frame it for you this way. Our job as parents is we're training their hearts. You know, you've got all these different methods. Some of you grew up in a real authoritative home where it was all about your behavior, and some of you grew up in a real permissive home that was just about your happiness. God's goal for us as parents and for our kids is that we would go after their heart, that we would train their heart. And so um, that, that's moments of conflict and moments of non-conflict. And we tend to think of discipline as, man, when they do something wrong, how do I handle that? And we'll, we'll get into that here in just a moment. But I'd give you some broad principles about parenting. And again, there's no way we would cover all that we need to know about parenting in, in just a couple of minutes. But the first thing, and I think the most important value that we have for our kids is put God's word in them early and often as best as you can. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but our culture is increasingly moving away from the principles of Scripture and uh, less biblically based. And so let's raise a generation that knows the Bible, that loves the Bible, that God's Word is in them. And, and there's no age too early to start. In fact, the next verse that I want to show you, I actually want to show you a video. Uh, this is our son when he was uh, two years old uh, sharing this verse with us. So check it out. 
I want to hear the train verse. Train is tired and very slow. When he's old, he will not turn from it. Power's done to six. So, so you know, just showing off a little bit. Love our kids, but, but so. two, two years old, and uh, I give Lisa a lot of credit. We were just doing flashcards, you know, just and you'd be surprised at what your two-year-old can can understand, can memorize, can know. Uh, Miles memorized dozens of verses at that age. Uh, lest you think that we were perfect, I have one more video. I just happened to come across these this week, so I'll show you one more of the same age. <laughs> Did he just lick him? Hey, buddy, hey. We, let's, no, we don't do that, okay? Let's not lick anybody or anything. <laughs> so train your kids not to lick their friends. It's going to be a principle that's going to serve them well all through life. Uh, but tra train them. You know, train a child in the way that they should go. Put God's word in their heart that they, that they would get to a place, and I see so many of our seniors in high school that, that are part of our custom student ministry, they're living now out of internal values and principles that, that are inside of them, not because they were forced into right behavior, but because they were brought up in some training that they would have a moral compass that would, would help shape the decisions that they make and the places that they go. I love Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is kind of a refrigerator verse for parenting. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Remember, it says hearts, not just minds or behaviors, but hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Just an incredible treasure trove of, of areas, opportunities, places that we have as parents to instill these values, these commandments that God has into their hearts. When you're driving from soccer practice to school to whatever you've got going on as the chauffeur, when you're putting them in their bed at night, when you wake up and have breakfast in the morning, just anytime you can, use as an opportunity to put God's word in their hearts. And again, it can be flashcards, it can be princess Bibles for your little girls, action Bibles for your little boys. The, the Bible app for kids is a great Bible app that that young kids can enjoy playing and whatever it takes to put God's word in their heart, make it fun. You know, the Bible is not, the Bible's an incredible story of God's love and redemption for humanity. Make it fun for your kids. Get God's word in them as often as you possibly can. When it comes to discipline though, I would tell you this, pay now instead of paying later. Uh, the Bible says a lot about discipline. One thing that it says is that it's essential, absolutely essential. There's so many passages. You can think about David and what happened when he didn't correct his kids and some of the pain that they experienced. But, but it's essential, but it's also really, really difficult. It's never going to be easy to do the right thing in parenting and, and disciplining our kids. Look at the next passage. It says, Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. I know there are testimonies on that. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In other words, you can give your kids the gift of, of peaceful fruit of, of righteousness as they grow up. And so pay now instead of paying later. Man, I'm telling you what, with three kids in the home and, and gosh, we get this wrong uh, so many times, but, but, but it's often so much easier to just overlook uh, little flaws that are going on in their heart, you know, directions that they're taking that are going to eventually lead them to harm. It's so easy to just overlook that. It's more convenient to put a show on and let's, let's ignore it. But man, if we'll take the time now to discipline, to correct, to train, 
then, then it's going to pay us big time dividends later. One thing I just add too is just, you know, when we are disciplining our children, the goal it really is that they start to internalize this, the values, the values that you have in your family, and um, they start to operate and behave on a set of internal values instead of fear of punishment. And so all these little steps, the day in, the day out, disciplining um, and training them, you're really starting to instill the values um, in really internally. That's good. That's good. Well, let's get practical. This next question. What does the Bible say about spanking and or yelling at our kids? I, I can say I've never yelled at my kids. So Lisa, why don't you talk about? Pastor. <laughs> Well, yelling is, is really just a daily challenge, right? I don't know, um, by show of hands, how many of you have toddlers in the home? Okay, good. I'm in good company. So, you know, toddlers are just, it's the most wonderful season. They're, they're just so stinking cute, and thank goodness they're cute, right? <laughs> because they, if, they're not, uh, if they're not just sweet as pie, they're only like Tasmanian devil. <laughs> like you're like, I don't know what to do with this temper tantrum in Walmart. Um, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I, we have an almost three-year-old and um, we were uh, trying to get out the door, third day in a row, daddy was traveling. And so I was uh, trying to do the school run and just trying to get everybody out the door right. So I'd gotten up extra early and got all the little fed, dressed, everybody's clean, nobody stinks, it's a miracle, and so um, we are ready to go. Um, and for the third day in a row, um, I said, okay, Ellie, let's go, well, let's get in the car. We're gonna, I'm thinking, let's make it a game, let's race to the car. Whoever gets to the car first gets a prize. Um, and for the third day in a row, she put her little hands on her hips and she said, no, no go bye-bye. And I said, no, 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 we, we are going to go bye-bye. Come on, sweetheart, let's go. Um, trying to put on my sweet mommy face. And, of course, my sweet mommy face started to turn a little more stern, like, okay, hon, get in the car right now. Let's go. Let's go. So um, nothing worked. I mean, I had resorted to bribing. I mean, come on, at some point, <laughs> you're just like, come on, here, candy. Want some candy? Not the best parenting method. But I was desperate at this point. We, we had been late, you know, the past two days. And so, uh, so finally I decided, okay, I, nothing's working here. So I just say, I pick her up, and she begins to throw a fit. Um, and she is not happy. She is going to impose her will upon me at all costs. And so she starts swinging at me and just slapping me in the face. And I'm like ducking out of the way. She's grabbing handfuls of hair. I'm like, what? I don't know even how, what am I doing with you? And so finally I got to the point where I just had to sling her over my shoulder <laughs> and carry her like a sack of potatoes. And because otherwise I'm gonna get a black eye. And so, <laughs> so she is pinching my back. I mean, <laughs> you just would not believe this child. It's so, going to be near impossible to get a babysitter out of the store. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. You're not selling it. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Well, finally, we get in the car, and um, she is fighting me to get buckled, and I just, my patience was gone. It had, it had timed out. And so I just said, Ellie, 
you will not act like this. And I just, she looked at me, you know, it might have been at a few decibels higher than that. Um, and she finally just kind of was like, whoa, what is wrong with mom? And so um, I got in the car and she got really quiet. And I look back in my river mirror and I see her, she won't look at me, she's doing this. And I said, Ellie, I'm sorry, sweetie. I should not have yelled at you. And she said, Mommy, you're my very best friend. <sighs> I'm kidding. I like tear up every time I say it. I'm like, oh gosh. You know, and it's just what I, I felt like God just tugged on my heart a little bit right then. Because our actions speak so much louder than our words. And when we can model self-control in a really challenging circumstance, they learn far more than just, hey, let's have self-control. You know, and I love the scripture in Proverbs 15, verse 1, and it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, I think as parents, although we all struggle to maintain self-control with our kids when we're frustrated, we're never in a weaker position as parents than when we are yelling at our kids. And so it's just a, it's a battle worth fighting. It's a battle worth fighting of modeling to our kids how to behave, because what you do, they will do. Yeah, yeah. And so yelling is fairly easy to understand. We all get it wrong. We all struggle. In fact, knowing that we were talking about this this week, I feel like I've been extra sensitive and just aware of the times that I raise my voice for my kids. But it doesn't work in your workplace. It doesn't work in your friendship circles. It doesn't work with your kids. Uh, communication breaks down when we start raising our voice and yelling. Spanking, uh, however, that's another question people ask about. And we'll kind of close with this. And I brought a, um, a prop. So... <laughs> This is the whack pad, um, and no, we don't use this on our kids. Uh, I found this at a thrift store in Gatlinburg. I thought, that's cool. Chip, now you guys probably use, use something that like this. That looks very familiar. How many, of you, how many of you would agree with Chip, and you'd say, I got spanked growing up as a kid. This looks familiar. Belt, hand, something like that. Yeah, lots and lots of hands going up. Most of us uh, were spanked as a kid, and um, this is not the, the most politically correct conversation to have uh, in terms of is it okay to spank your kids? Is it ever, ever okay? If you're asking what does the Bible say about that, there's lots of scripture uh, found in that. This folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You've heard the scripture, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, um, and, and so the Bible does speak about this idea of discipline in, in such a way. But here's what I would say, not, not to get totally caught up in the how, but recognizing what Lisa said the essential, I mean, it is our responsibility to discipline our kids to, to, because of our love that we have for them. Um, and, and with our kids, it's been different with each child, different methods have worked. Isolation time works really well for our, our middle child who is just a people person. And with our oldest child, we did. We spanked him uh, often growing up because he, he needed it. He was a strong-willed child. But, but that, that's, that's a choice for you to make in your home. And let's not judge each other for how we choose to discipline our kids. Let's do though, take on responsibility to do it. And what I'll say about it is that if you do choose to spank your children, and, and that's a method that you employ, do not ever do it when you're angry. Yeah. Just don't. Uh, don't discipline your kids. Don't, don't spank your kids when you're angry. My dad used to send me to my room 
and say, I want you to go to your room and think about what you've done. And how many of you know that is torture? When you know something's coming and you got to sit there and wait and think about it. And uh, I always thought my dad was just a mean guy for doing that. And now that I have kids of my own, I've realized he, he was cooling off himself. He wanted to make sure that if he was ever going to do that, if he was ever going to spank one of his children, that it wasn't done out of anger, it wasn't done out of frustration, but it was done in an, a, a desire to train the heart of our children. And, and so um, whatever method you choose, just don't do it in anger because, um, again, just like yelling, it's, it's not productive and, and certainly we never want to hurt our kids. That's not what discipline is about. It's about training their hearts. Biggest thing I can say in parenting is model your love for God. Show them your love for God. Be in church. Make it a priority for you to be here. Worship with them. Let them, let them see you reading your Bible at home. Let them see. They're, they're going to do what they see you doing, not what you tell them to do. And so if we can model our love for God, I think it's the best gift that we can give. In fact, the last verse that I'll show you says reverence for God. In other words, worship, uh, reverence, fear of God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. I love that. Not only will you experience deep strength in worship, and in reverence for God, but it's a gift for your kids. It's a gift of security. It's a gift of refuge when they see mom and dad going after God. They're gonna love God to the degree that they see you loving God. And so let's, let's do that in our marriages, in our kids, in our parenting, in all aspects of life, is just continue to pursue him. The reality is we all fall short, right? And that's why we have a God. That's why the gospel is good news, that his grace is sufficient for us, for our families. So I wanna pray for you. Would you guys bow as we close. And if you're sitting with a spouse, maybe with your family, uh, even maybe you're dating somebody or you're with them, why don't you grab, grab their hands as families, as spouses. I just want to speak a blessing over the relationships in this church at all of our campuses. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, you are a good, good father. Lord, you handle us with grace when we need it. Lord, you discipline and correct when we need it. God, you, you are such a good father, and we thank you for your grace. Lord, right now, I just want to pray a blessing, your blessing over every marriage, over every relationship, over every single person, God, over every parent in this church. Lord, that you would equip us with the wisdom that we need, Lord, with the courage to do the right thing, Lord, with the, the, the grace to handle our, our family members, our loved ones, our relationships with care. God, we thank you, Lord, that your, your kingdom will be done. Lord, your, your will will come on our, in our lives, in our relationships, as it's done in heaven. So we give them to you, God. We submit them to you. We surrender them to you and ask for your grace that it would be sufficient for us. In Jesus' name, amen.